Hey everybody, we got a special guest today. It's Michelle DiFilippo. She has actually, she's a pioneer. Let's just call it what it is. 1106 Design, she founded it. It is, you know, the very highest end of those organizations, which helps people turn their book idea into a finished product from the self-published book industry point of view. She'll give you some of her insights on how she got started and other tidbits for aspiring authors. Full disclosure, she is a client of GH2 Benefits and mine for multiple years. She did this for me as a courtesy. Hope you like it. Across the many editions of Maximize Your Medicare, a natural outcome would be that I'd meet a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. You've seen a couple of interviews from Bob Powell to Kevin Cole, journalist, pianist. Certainly one of the most interesting people that I've come across is my current guest today, Michelle DiFilippo. She runs 1106 Design, which is an organization that she founded which is pretty much one of a very few of the top level organizers, if you will, for the self-publishing in book industry. If you wanna write a book, if you think you're the new Dan Brown, <laughs> she's a very good person to kind of collaborate, coordinate all of the number of activities in turning your dream into a reality. Michelle, welcome. Thank you, Jay, I appreciate being with you today. So tell us how you started this. 1106 Design has been in existence for how long? 1106 started in 2001 uh, because of a divorce, but I have actually been in the industry since 1972. My first job was at Crown Publishing in New York. Okay, so you do have a formal book publishing industry experience for, for decades prior to establishing 1106? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And what is it you were doing there? Uh, I was actually working on one of their remainder catalogs. Okay. <laughs> and back in the day, we used to have, we used to put catalogs together, not with computers, but with pasting up little strips of paper. Oh my goodness. Uh, if you can imagine a column, of, a column of entries about books and actually pasting them together with a knife and rubber cement. And um, it's hard to imagine today, but I did start in the industry long before <laughs> computers were invented. Quite unimaginable. So what is it, or what was the catalyst? If you could name one catalyst, and I'm sure there are a bunch, you know, what is it that led you to start 1106 to begin with? Um, well, where, where, where do I start? I, I worked for publishers and ad agencies in New York for about seven years and then moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And it was it was a huge culture shift because in New York, I was making what was good money at the time, $10 an hour. And I came to Phoenix and I was offered minimum wage to do the same work I was doing in New York for $10 an hour. And I think at the time it was like, I don't know, $3 an hour or something like that. So I was horrified and I decided to open my own business and and um, start a typesetting business. So my, my husband and I at the, at the time took out a home equity loan and we put down a deposit on a $25,000 typesetting machine and rented a little hole in the wall office and, 
and that was the beginning of, of the kind of service that I still offer today. The, the equipment has changed, but the actual principles behind what, what we do haven't changed a bit. It's just putting words and pictures together and making a good book. So reality is, is you've had experience right from the beginning and an interest in here, but then 1106, so you're a type setting kind of service provider, mm -hmm. but now the world is different, obviously. <laughs> so how is it that 1106, you know, in its current form, you know, is different, the same, things like that? How could you describe to us for that? Well, I, of course, my career has been had a lot of ups and downs. I've, I've flipped back and forth between owning a company that that worked for publishers and magazine publishers and book publishers. We one of our famous clients was Arizona Highways Magazine at the time, mm. um, and I've flipped back and forth between having a company with employees and freelancing on my own. And so, uh, it's 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 hard to describe. Hard to describe, really. I got to the point as a freelancer, I was freelancing again in the 1990s, and I got to the point where I couldn't do all the work myself. And most freelancers will just turn the work away and just send it to someone else. But because I had the background of owning a company with employees, I thought, it's crazy to turn work away. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I just started adding people one by one by one. And before you know it, I had a team of 24 people helping me produce books. And that's where we are today. And is it about 24 or is it more or less than that? How would you call it? It's, it's about 24. They, they come in and out based on the project, based on their expertise and what's needed for a particular book. I see. So now... For for example, let's just say that I rolled, we went to the time machine and we'll get to a funny story about the time machine, but we'll get to the time machine and now I have an idea for a book. How do they approach Michelle and 1106? Well, the, the, the real challenge right now is that there are many, when indie publishing was first invented, there was, there was a guru named Dan Pointer who recognized that Amazon was going to change the landscape of publishing forever because authors no longer needed the intermediary of a book publisher hmm. to get distribution. Anybody could put a book up on Amazon. And so he recognized the earthquake that that was. And he started traveling the country and the world talking about indie publishing. At the beginning, people understood that the author could be the publisher, right? But like any publisher, it was the author's responsibility to hire experts, produce a good book, market the book, and offer a quality product to the market. And that was maybe five, 10 years of that. And then entities called self-publishing companies entered the marketplace. And I give them credit for rightly understanding that a lot of people who want to write a book don't necessarily want to own a publishing business. And so they provided, like <laughs> yeah. well, right. it, 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 self-publishing and it's a self-publishing company doesn't have to be a bad thing, but many of them became bad things because they started offering low level services to people at the price point that people wanted to pay. And so the market became flooded with terrible books and that gave self-publishing a bad name. Do you think we're really out of that at this point? Have there been a weeding out process? So, you know, what Michelle is too modest to say, 
to be very, very candid, right? Well, so for example, if you go to the largest, the most credible book printing, where you actually turn it into a paperback book, and there's going to be a section to say, are you a self-published author and you need a professional service? There's going to be a very short list. And in this very short list, 100% of the time is 1106 and Michelle. So Michelle, I mean, that is, of course, you know, you know, every congratulation that we could possibly, you know, forward to you, certainly you have earned. But now, now that you're here, is it your sense that self-publishing book, self-published books and what you've just described over the past five to 10 years has largely declined or because the barrier, you know, the margin, or in other words, the barrier to entry low, you know, I turn my, I call myself Jay's self-publishing shop, you know, and I could, you know, in theory do it, uh, you know, in the sense of turning it on. Uh, do you have the sense that the number of different types of parties that do this has declined or is it just keep going unabated? I think it's I think it's actually burgeoning and, and becoming more and more crowded every day because these companies, some of them last and some of them come and go. And a lot of authors have been left in the lurch, losing access to their files, never being paid their royalties and so forth. So it's really hard to compete in some ways because, first of all, you have to be found. And these companies tend to dominate the search engines with big expenditures of, of money to make sure that companies like 1106, and there's more, more than myself, um, you might be five, six, 10 pages down in the search results because I can't afford to spend $25,000 a month on advertising. <laughs> um, it, it's a challenge. I won't, I won't lie to you, but I think it's kind of funny because I'm just doing what I was trained to do starting in 1972. I don't think it's revolutionary at all. <laughs> this is the way you make a book. <laughs> uh, but it's well, hard to explain uh-huh. that to people who can go online and find someone who says, you know, we can make your book for $600. I can't make a book for $600. Right. And the, to as for yourself, social media has helped in the sense of getting your name out 1106 designs name out into the marketplace do you feel like or is that just lowered the barrier to entry for other other parties no social media is great because it's a way to get your name out there at very little cost we i approach it based on education i just try to explain to people there's the right way and a wrong way to do a book and it it depends on your goals right if you if you're if you're releasing a book to support your business or if you really are serious about selling it to the public, you have to have a quality book. There's no question about that. If if you just want a book to hold in your hands for your friends and family so that they have something left of you when you die, then then sure, go ahead and, and, and choose some of the lower level services that are out there. But the problem comes in when you mix the two things. People want to sell a book, but they also want the cheap price. And if you, if you confuse those two issues, you're really going to get into trouble if you're an author. That's interesting. And, and by the way, below the video and as well as the different places that we're going to broadcast this interview is a link to your newsletter. And, why don't you, and, and that's the place that people can subscribe and get Michelle's pearls of wisdom, if you will. 
Yes, we do a newsletter every two weeks, and okay. I, pro I promise if you sign up, we will not spam your inbox with constant, <laughs> right. constant promotions. It is you will get a notice every two weeks and nothing more. Um, and, and, yeah. and I will say, I, I mean, I'm a subscriber. So, you know, yeah. Michelle, I'm sure you're not even knowing, you know, who's subscribing or not, but I'm a subscriber. And I still, to this day, read through it to say, you know, hear what Michelle's, you know, input is on the world of publishing and all of the different inputs. So let's get talk about the, you know, just the number of items that is that are on Michelle's to-do list. So a new author comes and says, Michelle, I'm actually serious and I'm willing to pay a price which is not $600, but <clears throat> I'm interested in the full suite of things that Michelle is gonna do in the background. Let's just say I have a manuscript of some sort. Why don't you give us a, the 5,000 foot view on what some of those menu items looks like? Okay, it's the same. We, we, we approach the job the way a traditional publisher would, right? First of all, you need to do a little bit of research to make sure that there is a market for your book. Yeah. Sometimes authors will come to us with a book idea, but it turns out after you look into it a little bit that it's so unique that nobody else but themselves would be interested. So I, I would. <laughs> oh, I can relate to that. <laughs> well, so, so, so you you try to make sure first of all that there's a market for the book. Okay. And then the next series of steps is just to produce a quality book. Make sure it's. Uh, we would start with editing, and while the editing is going on, we would work on cover design, and then after the editing is done, we would do interior design samples. There's a lot of different ways to produce the interior look and feel of a book. Nobody gives this any thought unless they're in the in the industry. But if you take a book from a major publisher off, off your shelf, you'll see that the typesetting is different than the typical self-published book. And that's because typesetters are nerds who think about 25,000 different things when they're formatting the text. It's not just a matter of choosing a font and a size and a line spacing <laughs> and margins. There's a lot of settings that go into making the text easy to read and easy on the eyes. And the goal of it isn't just to be a nerd. The goal of it is to make sure that people comprehend your message and they're not distracted by uh, the type. And so nobody knows what typesetting is anymore. <laughs> so in the, with the advent of eBooks, the same thing for ebook, meaning that is it that must have presented its own different set of challenges as it made the world more complicated because you can switch the font of your ebook, et cetera, et cetera, that somebody you know looks at and things like how do you accommodate for all that stuff? And I know this is pretty nerdy, but <laughs> if you could just just for a moment, I'm just curious. Well, ebooks are here to stay, but sure. I, I don't think you'll find too many people with a typesetting background who love ebooks because they are generic. And like you just said, people can change the font and the font size and reflow everything. And, and that's way different than what can be accomplished in a print book. Uh, creating print books is an art as well as a science. You want beautiful pages that are easy to read. And a lot of work goes into that. That's typesetting. Uh, today, it's known as formatting, but that's really not, that's not what we do. Formatting is a step after the book is designed and after you apply all of the conventions of, of book design. 
So now you've written a book and, Michelle, and 1106 Design has helped a great deal of authors and you've got a pipeline of all a number of different authors and things like that. Now the book's done. And what about the marketing and the selling for your authors? Do you help them in this regard? Do you give them guidance? Do you point them to say, you've got another one of your team members of your 24 people to kind of assist in this regard or how does that get done? We don't actually do the marketing because in, in my experience, it's very difficult for most authors to um, uh, afford a marketing agency, right? The typical marketing agency might charge 15, 20, even more thousands of dollars to effectively market and promote a book. And most authors don't have that, that kind of money. So okay. what, what we have focused on is, is marketing training. We have a couple of products where we'll train you to market your book one-on-one in, in a no embarrassment zone so that if you're coming to the process and you don't even know what Twitter is, we'll start there. Okay. If, if, if we have some experience in marketing your business and we'll start wherever you are. Hmm. And, and one of the products is an eight week coaching session to teach you how to market your book. And that includes website. I mean, of course, everyone you know is looking for you know whatever dot com for a web for a website for the book. Is it in your experience? Is it based on the book, or is it based on the author, or is it just depending on the topic or the book? I recommend that it be based on the author because you may write another book someday, and and people are interested in who wrote the book and why you wrote the book. Um, if you focus on the book, it's just a book, and just like just like it's just a just a movie right the, the public doesn't really give a whole lot of um, attention to that it's a fleeting thing but but you as the author you should build your platform so that you're the authority on the subject that you're writing about so you know michelle you shouldn't take my laughing or cackling as to your comments it's really about all the different things that i violated <laughs> <laughs> to be candid with, to be perfectly candid with you. So, okay. So well, like that's, they that's say, point of view. Well, they say all progress is due to the unreasonable man, right? <laughs> well, so I'm in, maybe I'm inching forward of, you know, albeit slowly. So today, today, as it currently stands, you're, you know, you're a, you dream of being an author. You dream of being a writer in some fashion. We've got, you know, newspaper, newspaper circulation, you know, plummeting, you know, kind of having to go to online and trying to hopefully get people to subscribe to online services, most of which, you know, I don't know if other than a very, very few publications can, you know, command you know, the subscription price. What do you advise the person who dreams of being an author? today? I think you should, if you have a strong urge to write a book and publish a book, I think you should do that. But I, there's a lot of companies in the space that will tell you will make your book a bestseller. And there are ways to game the system to allow you to take screenshots of your bestseller on Amazon, but, but only you were only a bestseller for 45 minutes. Um, so we don't go in that direction. I never promise people that you're going to be a bestseller because that is so remote a possibility as, as to be almost a joke, right? But I would always say produce a good book, market it as, as well as you can, um, 
And, and then if you have a good book, you are better situated to succeed with it than if you produce a bad book, right? Because that first impression of the cover matters, right? People are going to make a judgment about that book in a couple of seconds and perhaps mm. subconsciously, right? So you don't want to look like the typical self-published book. You want to look like a book, your book was released by a major publisher and some care and, and concern was put into it, right? Whenever we spend money on any product, we want to feel safe, right? We don't want to waste our money on something that's poor quality. So produce that good book. You know, it is a one-time investment that's not insignificant, but if you go into any business, you have to make an investment. And, and, and so I would recommend that you do that for a book as well. Knowing that nobody can control the market. Nobody knows which book is going to take off, not even major publishers. They have their failures too with all of their firepower and all of their promotional channels. Some books just don't make it. And, and I would never know, an everyday person wouldn't ever know this. So how much, or you talk about the major publishers, what percent do you think actually, you know, there's an advance and stuff like that and there's agreements in the background. How many times does a, out of a hundred does a major publisher with, you know, they just swing and miss. Well, you know, I have I, an idea or no I, idea. I don't, I don't know if it's true. Years ago, I heard the percent, the, the comment that 20% of books put out by major publishers make money, sometimes significant money. Sure. The other, another 60% meet their costs, cover the costs and maybe a little bit more than that. And, and 20% are abysmal failures that surprised everybody. That could be okay, right? I mean, because if 20% fail and 20 and like 60% are break even, the 20 other percent that are home runs, if you will, can pay for the entirety. Is that exactly. how the book publishers yeah. stay alive? Yeah, exactly. And that's why the major publishers are mostly interested in authors that already have a big platform. Um, I work, I know a literary agent, um, and you know his name too who says that he can't bring a book to a publisher unless the author has 100,000 social media followers. Wow. So that's the bar to meet. But, for and that's big. 100,000 is not, is not a small number. Yeah. You know, other and, and it's not because the publishers are bad people. They, they just have huge expenses, distribution sure. warehouses and so forth. So they have to meet those expenses. Right. And it's funny that you were talking about the book, book cover. I'll, I will insert our story now. So, and I think I've told you, I'm not sure. So the year is 2012. Crazy Jay has an idea to write a book. Jay clicks around and does some research as well and realizes, okay, I have no idea if there's a market here. And not only do I have no idea of a market, I realized that there are all these other moving pieces here that I don't fully understand. And I'm not sure how much I value it, especially when I'm thinking about the probability of success. However, I place a call to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Was Before, I nice? <laughs> <laughs> you were nice. You were nice, but clear, which is, you know, which is that, you know, just so you know, you're consistent. <laughs> Meaning that, you know, even then, which is now almost 10 years ago, nine years ago, is the fact that you said to me, 
just make sure your cover is professional looking. Like it, you said, you left me the one soundbite that burned in my brain at that time. And, you know, because I had done, like I said, I had done some research and clicking, okay, well, who are the part prominent parties that are dealing with this? I had seen, you know, at that time, like you kind of, your timeline suggested, you know, there were a bunch of other outfits saying at, you know, X dollars will do, you know, soup to nuts and create this thing. And I was still saying, thinking to myself, yeah, well, that's still a loss because, you know, me and my mother are going to buy this book and that'll be it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why don't I just send her a comp you know, nicely formatted email uh, you know, and stuff like that. But anyway, so I just thought to share that with you that, you know, unbeknownst to you, we'd actually run, you know, before we had to establish our professional relationship that exists today, that we had this other conversation <laughs> random conversational and you probably have how many of these a day or a, or a year do you have oh um, probably 30 a week I, I i have to say i don't recall a conversation no, <laughs> how could you i mean i'm you know i didn't spell you my name so i couldn't stand out by the brevity of the number of letters in my name so you know <laughs> there's nothing necessarily to remember the conversation so now you've got a person you've got a young person they want to do they even pursue writing or is it something that it, it's a tough business right I mean a journalist author I mean just for me it sounds tough I mean just tough oh to to try to make a living writing yeah yeah that's tough uh, unless you go into public relations you know working for a corporation and then you can write corporate material and, and make a living at it and, it's it's difficult to make a living selling books it's rare rare right. but that right. but that doesn't but the book sales are not the only thing to focus on hmm. you know a book like you know can help you build a platform sure. and establish you as an authority in your field and get you speaking engagements and consulting uh, jobs and so forth so if just keep that in mind really right if we take a look at the future, where does 1106 go or more to the point and then how 1106 is going to adjust or have you thought about it? We get this idea of hybrid books and other different, you know, kind of in between traditional, you know, paperback or hardcover and then what you can see, you know, which includes video, you know, we're here on video, <clears throat> you know, that kind of thing. How do you see the world or as fragmented as it is, how's it going to affect 1106, do you think, without, you don't have a crystal ball in your background as far as I can see, but, you know, from your perspective. Well, I, I e-books have come and gone for the last 20 years, and every time e-books come, come to the fore, people say that e-books are going to replace print books, and it never happens. Print books are actually outselling e-books right now, and and I, I believe that will continue because People look at a screen all day and maybe they don't want to look at a screen at night when they're mm. relaxing. You want to crack open a real book. So I recommend to my customers that you offer the book in all the formats that you can afford, right? Print book, ebook, audio books are very big right now, selling very well. They're expensive to produce, but mm. as if you think of yourself as a publisher and not as an author, you need to offer your product in the format that the consumer wants, right? 
and, and you let the consumer decide, you don't decide for them. So um, just keep that in mind. You know, I don't particularly care for eBooks, but a lot of people do. If you travel a lot, you don't want to lug a suitcase yeah, yeah. full of books around with you. So they're convenient in some ways. I don't like eBooks for nonfiction because the, the, the ability to flip the page and look back and forth is just not the same. For a novel, sure, it's fine. Continuous reading, um, but just let the let let your buyer decide what they want from you. So, Michelle, now what advice would you give to someone who aspires to be a writer? Can they make a living just being a writer? Um, well, I think if you want to make a living as a as a writer, you, you probably should work for a business in some capacity. Mm. Um, making a living from a, a fiction title is especially hard. A business book is a different story. You can actually use a business book to support a career, to support a, a speaking career or um, uh, to get yourself new clients. That That's more lucrative than other kinds of books. Just selling the book by itself is tough sledding? It is very tough because the retailers take anywhere from 40 to 55% of the cover price and you can't raise your price too high without losing the sale entirely. So um, no, unless you're Stephen King, you're not going to get rich on book sales. Let's put it that way. Can a self-published author reasonably, you know, cross the hurdle of getting their books placed in a bookstore now? Let's just say that post-pandemic, and I'm not saying it's over, but bookstores, if they become open for browsing, is it reasonable that a self-published author can get their books placed in a retail location? That's also a very steep climb for an independent author. Uh, you may get your local bookstore to put your book out on a table in, in, in the sense of they're willing to promote local authors, mm. but it always depends on how many books the bookstore can turn, right? They can't devote shelf space or table space or any kind of effort if the book doesn't sell. So you'll get a shot if you contact your local bookstore. But other than that, bookstores really prefer to work with distributors who can give them 100, 200, 400 titles on one invoice. They don't want to work with individual authors, especially. Uh, you, And that's one of the differences that some of the other companies promise that is not technically true. They'll say that your book will be available in bookstores nationwide. Well, that's not exactly true. What it means is your book will be available in the Ingram database and the bookstore can order the book if someone should walk in and request it, but it's not going to be on the shelf typically. I see. I see. And how hard is it, to, like in your experience for a self-published self author what ways around this or how would you address this other than obviously Amazon? Well, 80% of books are sold on Amazon now. So bookstores are becoming actually less and less relevant. Something Some people, know. yeah. Right. Some people predict that they'll be gone entirely in, in a few years. Um, so not being in a bookstore is not really a problem because if someone walks into a bookstore and looks and asks for your book and the bookstore either doesn't have it or won't order it, hmm the next thing they're going to do is go to Amazon if they didn't go there in the first place. So um, bookstores are nice. They're great places to find things that you're not looking for, you know, but they're not, you're not going to lose terrible sales if you're not in a bookstore. I see. Well, let's talk about 
a person who they've got a manuscript, how do they reach you, Michelle, pioneer in this industry? How do they reach you and 1106? The best thing to do is go to our website, 1106design.com. You can look around. I put all of my prices on the website. Complete transparency is one of the things we believe in. You can see all of the services we offer. You can send in our contact form and let us know a little bit about your book, and then we'll get right back to you. And people getting facts that you also have a newsletter, what, published like the pros? Is that right? Yes, I do. Down at the bottom of the page at the moment, it may move. Um, I offer a free book published like the pros. That's my free booklet about independent publishing. It's a quick read, 88 pages. Mm -hmm. If you sign up for our newsletter, you'll be able to download that for free. And then from then on, we have a, a newsletter every two weeks. And I promise we will not start sending you messages every day. If you subscribe, you will get a newsletter every two weeks. And that is all. Right. Well, good. It sounds like you're pretty committed, of course, you know, 1106 being at the top of a heap of providers in your space. How are your, your services different other than your obviously decades of experience? Well, the, the main difference between us and other companies is we, we produce books the way a major publisher would, all the same high-level services, editing, uh, cover design, interior design, uh, proofreading, ebook formatting, all of that. But the main difference is in the revenue model. We do not share in the author's revenue at all. We just share, we just charge you for our services, and then we're out of the picture. We help you all along the way from manuscript to getting your book distributed at all the online retailers, but we don't take a cut of your book sales. Some of the other companies charge to produce the book, and they also take a couple of dollars out of the author's pocket every time a book is sold. And we don't think that's fair, so we don't do it. Got it. So so difficult for a person, you know, first even creating, and I can speak from my own experience, right, which is, you know, the, we're all consumed with, is this the book having the right idea and the right message, whatever they would be, et cetera, et cetera. And then you've got this whole other set of activities. Like, think about you and you know our relationship over these years and think of you as like some master plate spinner like a someone like a circus <laughs> master able to keep all these plates spinning at the same time without letting any of them drop is tough stuff it is we stay very busy right but but you know it disturbs us that authors sometimes go down the wrong path because of lack of information so here's a tip if you're if you're looking at a company and they tell you they will pay you a royalty, that's a red flag right there. Because what that means is they are going to publish your book. When a book is sold, they're going to get paid first, keep some of the money, and then pay you a little bit of money called a royalty. So that that's one thing to steer clear of if you can. Another thing to steer clear of is the offer of a free ISBN. That means that the company is going to give you one of their ISBNs, which means they are the publisher and you are not from that point on, the publisher of your own book. So the way we do it is we encourage authors to buy their own ISBN at Bowker. And then we, like I said, we just charge for services and we don't participate in the revenue stream after that. Right. Tough, tough. Like I said, so many plates to spin and, you know, I'm sure that your authors and many of which are repeat authors, if I can remember right from your description of your business, that you've got a number of repeat authors with multiple books. Is that right? 
That's correct. And the, the business people do the best. And but about 40 or 50 percent of our authors are repeat authors on, a, on an annual basis. It's quite incredible, right? I mean, you know, reality is, is that you, you started this when it really wasn't even a thing, right? I mean, in other words, <laughs> I, I mean, not to this degree, nowhere near, you know, you, like, you, like you said earlier, decades ago from the traditional, and as it morphed into where it is today and who knows where it's going from here. You started this from the ground up. You've seen every, you know, battle and war, et cetera, et cetera, and evolutions. You know, it's quite an, quite an incredible accomplishment, Michelle. It has it has been a surprise for sure, uh, it, because indeed publishing keeps growing, right? That, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely yeah. right. And and that's a that's a great thing because authors now have an avenue to express themselves without the permission of a publishing company. And yes, no, no question. That is definitely an you know, open road that did not exist before. That's correct. Well, speaking about open roads, your roads have personal on a personal level have changed notably here. You were, we've known each other for, I mean, professionally for a number of years now, I guess four to five years, we've kind of spoken about things outside of, you know, maximize your Medicare or Jay's crazy to write this book. Um, You've turned Medicare eligible in this mm-hmm. period dur- during this period of time, and you know our story is that you know you and I had spoken about other book matters, and then somehow it leaked out that you were turning the magical age of sixty-five and yeah. all that good stuff. And so, how have you found Medicare for yourself? Oh, I, I was so glad to, to know you at that time because I I. I've been buying insurance all my life. I didn't expect any problems getting signing on to Medicare, but it quickly became apparent that this was going to be much more complicated than typically buying uh, individual health insurance. And and I knew I needed help and and you just happened to be there, (laughs) for which I'm very grateful. I I don't like cliches like timing is everything because I find them trite, you know, and like, you know, over applied. But, you know, in this particular instance, probably fits at that time. You were caring, you had malt, you're on your own level, you were taking care of your mother. Yes, I was. And how, and that, and working at the same time, which is quite. A yes, fortunately I work at home. So, so that, that was, that was a good thing, but yes, I did take care of her for four years um, until she passed in January. That's a difficult thing. I'm sure, you know, the story that is repeated nationwide, I mean, worldwide yes. really to be candid right i mean yeah oldest oldest senior parent requires help usually goes to you know the responsible adult child that happened to be you in this instance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you so you were at home and how long did this how long were you taking care of your mother almost four years yeah oh, oh my goodness yeah, I'm very grateful that I didn't have to quit my job to do it. Some people have to leave their leave the oh. workforce in order to do that. Uh, fortunately, I was working at home anyway, and and uh, so it, you know it was busy. I won't I won't lie, it was busy and it was a challenge. But at least I could keep my business going. My team was great. They stepped in to to support me when I couldn't be there, and it all was good. Well, of course, it's always difficult to lose a parent. You know, at at any stage, it's never. Never, yeah. ever a good day, but it's nice that you were there 
have yes. the, the resources and time, something that not many people have. People have to, you know, change their lifestyle. They they have to leave their jobs, et cetera, et cetera, or they have to, you know, dramatically change their work and home life in order to do such a thing. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think we'll wrap it up here, Michelle. Eleven oh six design dot com is the website. Michelle, congratulations to you, and you know, of course. You know, reach out to her to the degree that if you've got this great book idea, uh, she's your person. And of course, you know, great story, obviously on a personal level, professional level, so many different levels, what you've accomplished really created from, when I say pioneer, I mean, it's not an exaggeration. The, the thumbnail says queen, I'm not changing that. <laughs> but pioneer at the minimum. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you, Jay, for having me. Appreciate it.